0: Good evening and welcome to the Community Call, our monthly Youth Workers Conference Call, hosted by the General Youth Division of the United Pentecostal Church International. We are very grateful for your generous and sacrificial giving to the cause of Sheaves for Christ that makes this call possible. Michael Lindsay here, joined by Josh Carson, Justin Ranking, and we are thrilled that each of you are joining with us tonight. This is call number eight. And we're thankful for those who are listening into the calls. Uh, Please help us by spreading the word about this great resource that is available. The purpose of the General Youth Division is to educate and engage, for our students to understand their apostolic identity and to be involved in our apostolic mission. And we appreciate you partnering with us to accomplish that goal on the local level an exciting time to be a part of what God is doing in the United Pentecostal Church and certainly through youth ministry. Just a few days ago we opened registration for North American Youth Congress and already over 31,000 have registered for that event this summer in Indianapolis. If you've not registered yet you need to do that and make sure that your group is a part of that. We have a capacity of 65,000 so plenty of room Uh, for you to still register. I want us to pray as we begin this session tonight and ask that God would join with us, would guide uh, the next few moments that we'll be together. Lord, we're so grateful for your favor and your blessings upon the United Pentecostal Church and upon the youth ministry efforts that we are privileged to be part of. I thank you for the youth workers, youth pastors and leaders who are joining us for this call tonight. I pray your blessings upon each of them and the groups that they lead. We thank you for our special guest that is joining us tonight and pray that you would speak through him, that our hearts be open and receptive to all that you have for us tonight. We're very grateful for this time that we have together. pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We remind you, as you're listening in tonight, if you'd like to tweet or Instagram or Facebook concerning the call, please use the hashtag GYD. TCC. That's GYD TCC. Also, if you'd like to ask any questions of our special guest, you can do so via Twitter using the hashtag AskGYD. Our special guest tonight is Brother Chris Green. He is from Austin, Texas, married to Danielle, and they are expecting their first child this next month. He is a dynamic evangelist, has a powerful testimony, powerful ministry. They've been on the field now for about four years, ministered in 13 countries. They base out of New Life in Austin, Texas, Pastor Rodney Shaw's church. Uh, Brother Green has a Bachelor of Marketing degree from Texas Lutheran and a Master's of Divinity from Urshan Graduate School of Theology. He also happens to be a pretty good golfer. Tonight he is with us on the community call, and he's speaking on the topic of creating a spiritual environment and if you've ever had the privilege of uh, being around him and his ministry you would know that he's highly qualified to speak on this topic. He is a spiritual leader and I'm thankful for that. Thankful for his friendship. Brother Green, welcome and thank you for joining us
1: on the Community Call. Amen. Thank you Brother Andy and uh, Brother Carson, Brother Loneking, and uh, Brother Woodward for your help and uh, for this opportunity And for the record, I thought I was a good golfer until I played with Brother Enzi and his dad. And uh, they both humbled me very well. But thank you for this time, and uh, it's a great honor to be here and uh, to have this opportunity. Uh, Tonight, I'm to speak on creating a spiritual environment. And uh, this has been a burden of mine recently, and I'm really just going to share my burden for my allotted time. Why is creating a spiritual environment important? Um, it's pretty obvious that the spiritual environment is everything. It's what separates the apostolic church from other uh, denominations and religions. Um, Activity depends on environment. Um, Simply put, you snow ski when it's cold, you swim when it's hot. Uh, The activity depends on the environment. And in the same way, in church, the demonstration and response of the people depends on on the environment. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, this was this was kind of evident in one of our revivals. It was because of the spiritual environment that a, a 55-year-old Catholic man he came to a recent revival we were preaching, and in this service he was filled with tears, and he was invited to this service, and and uh, he came to the altar. He was raised Catholic, his first time in a in a, a non-Catholic service, and he came to the altar, and he said, "I feel something I've never felt before." and and uh, in the next few moments, we prayed, for him and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and he received the Holy Ghost, and uh, we baptized him in the name of Jesus, and uh, it was just three weeks later, the pastor of the church called me and uh, let me know that this man, this Catholic man, had stage 5 colon cancer and was given six weeks to live, and um, he said he had gone back to the doctor after being filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and the doctors couldn't find a trace of cancer in his body. Um, But it all goes back to that spiritual environment. I remember watching him as he sat there through the worship service and the preaching and just crying tears, and his first response was saying, I've never felt anything like this before in my life. Um, And personally, it's because of uh, the spiritual environment that I'm a part of the apostolic movement um, today. Uh, Although being fifth-generation Pentecostal, I was raised in a pastor's home of a spirit-filled charismatic church, and... Uh, but when I was 16, long story short, when I was 16 years old, I went with a friend to uh, the United Pentecostal Texas Camp Meeting in Lufkin, and walking in, although I had spoken in tongues, baptized in Jesus' name, I felt something in that environment that I had never felt before in my life. And uh, before I could even get to an empty pew, I fell to my face and began praying and, and asked God what this was, what this feeling was I had never felt before, and God spoke to me and and very clearly at 16 years old I heard the voice of God and he spoke to me and said I used to show up like this at your church. He said but recently your church has become conformed to the world and he said your your church has pushed my presence outside the church and he said now I stand at the door and knock and if you would hear my voice and open the door I would come in again like this. And uh, our church, my father's church at that time, we had lost that spiritual environment Um, and, uh, I remember running out of that tabernacle in Lufkin and calling my dad and his response. He hung up the phone and told my mother that they needed to get to, uh, for the camp meeting. And he told my mother, he said, our son has just found what our church has lost. And uh, it goes back to that spiritual environment. The moment I walked in, I knew something is different about these people. Something is different about these Pentecostals, and uh, so I want to encourage all the youth pastors, the youth workers, um, uh, to not change the message and not not try to conform uh, to another church or uh, another method that seems to work for them. Uh, we have the true doctrine, we have the true message, and when we preach the truth and we believe the truth, it creates that spiritual environment and atmosphere uh, where anything can happen. Um, and going back to what I said, the activity to depends on the environment um, I'm going to tell a story now of a church that's no longer with us but uh, several years ago about four years ago uh, three or four years ago I was called that youth pastor and he, he was just uh, confiding his frustrations uh, of the lack of response and their youth group their youth group uh, ran about 200 uh, students at that time and so I decided to go to one of their youth services on uh, a Wednesday night and I walked in and man they had all the stuff all the the uh, the screens three massive projector screens and a massive youth sanctuary and um, had all the talent and ability and when they started the service this is crazy but they started the service uh, by playing a song uh, by Katy Perry and allowed this song to get the children or the students hyped up and excited for the service and I was I was confused I was appalled I was amazed I couldn't believe it. They were, up, they were playing a Katy Perry music video to start the service, and, and uh, they went on with their service, and there wasn't any move of God, and afterwards, having a conversation with his youth pastor, he was just continuing his, his, uh, his frustrations of, man, we haven't had any kids come to the altar. None of our kids are getting the Holy Ghost. He said, we're not having moves of God like we had when I was in youth, and, and I told him, I said, how do you expect to have an upper room ex- experience without an upper room mentality? You you can't allow the world into the services and just try to pump up your kids and excite them and expect God to come in. Um, but this youth pastor, uh, he allowed their spiritual environment to be influenced by the world as opposed to uh, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Um, as an antithesis to that story, there's another youth group um, about probably six months after that experience that is with us, that is in the United Pentecostal Church, and this youth pastor called me and said kind of the same thing. He was frustrated, and uh, they weren't having uh, a dynamic move of God, and so I went there, and, and long story short, we, we had a powerful youth service, and um, about four or five weeks later, this this pastor of this church, he called me, and he said um, that this youth group, they had taken the message to heart about prayer and, and fasting and getting ready for revival. And, And so this youth group went in every Sunday morning an hour before church and began to pray. And and, uh, instead of the usual 30 minutes, they would go in an hour before church to pray. And and this pastor told me, he said that when he walked into the prayer room before church, that he found their youth group, 12 kids, not 200 kids, and didn't have all the, the tools and all the stuff that this other church had, but 12 kids. They were drunk in the Holy Ghost in the prayer room before church, and the pastor told me that my church came around, that they had to carry these, these students into the sanctuary and lay them at the foot of the altar. And he said that they had a prayer revival for the next four hours. And he told me that this had gone on for the last several weeks. And uh, it's no coincidence that this youth group has been the number one giving youth group to She's for Christ the last uh, few years. But it all goes back to spiritual environments. Just a second. Um, I want to talk for a moment just about about burden. Um, I believe that your burden can transcend the gifts of the Spirit. And I know that's kind of a, um, a strong statement to make without uh, an explanation, But but let me explain what I mean. I said how the activity depends upon the environment. But I want to add to that and say that the environment depends upon the pastor or the leader. And I want to be a little bit transparent tonight and uh, and tell you about myself just a little bit. I've been evangelizing for the last four and a half years, and my wife and I, we've been blessed to travel to 12 or 13 different countries and, and be at many different churches and see revival. Um... But the first two years of my ministry, I spent preaching with a burden for ministry and not a burden for souls. I I had a burden to preach, I had a burden to travel, but I did not have a burden for souls. And in these first two years, just to be really honest, I spent two years of evangelizing. God had allowed me to travel to four or five different countries and and go on Mm -hmm. missions trips and in these first two years of evangelistic ministry, I did not preach Acts 2.38 even one time. And uh, I might have even traveled to some of your churches, and uh, for that I apologize. And, and uh, I wasted God's time. I wasted my time. And in fact, I feel like I wasted uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because I was convinced that, that the gifts of the Spirit or... Uh, people couldn't receive the Holy Ghost through my ministry. Now, um, when I was asked to do this, I prayed and I asked God, I asked God, why am I doing this? Why is this opportunity open to me? And this is what God told me to share. And I've never been a a youth worker. Excuse me. I've never been a youth worker. I've never been a youth pastor. So I was thinking, why me? So the things that I'm about to share with you, you can apply to your ministry and apply to to uh, to youth work. I believe if we were to ask or take a poll of all the youth pastors, including all the, the senior pastors of churches, how many of you feel confident in praying someone through the Holy Ghost or how many of you feel confident in working in the gifts of the Spirit? I guarantee you we would have 95% of our pastors, our youth workers, our youth pastors say that they feel inadequate, inferior, intimidated by the gifts of the Spirit, um, and that was that was who I was. The first two years of my ministry, traveling this world without without preaching from the Book of Acts because I was convinced it could not happen through me. Even some of my supporters, my mentors, they told me, "Well, stop trying to be someone that you're not. You're not a harvester, so be a harvester." And they meant well, but I was deceived by that word and believed that I couldn't see a harvest I couldn't see the demonstration of the holy Ghost and so I got married and and my wife and I we traveled to Australia, and we spent eleven weeks there in revival and while I was preaching there, I had preached a, a youth service, and I preached on faith, but I sure didn't preach on the, the book of acts or acts two thirty eight because I was convinced it couldn't happen for me and and at the end of that service, there was a there was a college student there, a first-time visitor, who was seeking to receive the Holy Ghost, and and everybody prayed for him except for me. And I went and sat down, and I said, God, it's too bad that this young man's not going to receive the Holy Ghost tonight. And I mean, God struck me with conviction and said, who, who do you think you are? You don't decide who gets the Holy Ghost or, or when they get the Holy Ghost or how they get the Holy Ghost. You are just the vessel. Go lay your hands on him, and he will receive the Holy Ghost. And So I walked over there, and for the first time in my life, I laid my hand on this this young man, and he received the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. And I went back to the hotel room, and I laid on my face for probably an hour just repenting and saying, God, forgive me for wasting your time and your calling in the office of an evangelist. Forgive me for not believing. See, our problem, Jesus said that these signs shall follow them that believe. Here's our problem. Our problem is that we believe in God, but we don't believe God. For instance, you can you can believe in Santa Claus, but you can't believe Santa Claus. If you believe Santa Claus, you got a problem because he he's not real; he doesn't exist. And we believe in God, but sometimes we don't believe God. And the problem is is that the devils believe in God, but the Bible speaks four times of Abraham. It says, "And Abraham believed God." It didn't say he believed in God. It says, "And Abraham believed." God. And it was accounted unto him righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So I began to pray, and God said, the reason why you're not seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost is for two reasons. One, you don't believe me and my word. And two, you don't have a burden to see the demonstration of the Holy Ghost or a burden to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. So I began to pray. Long story short, I began to pray, and I said, God, teach me how to have a burden for lost souls. And and one morning i i was praying this prayer teach me how to have a burden for lost souls now you can you can transfer this these principles to your youth ministry uh to the students and i said god ha, how do i have a burden for lost souls so you could pray god give me a burden for for uh, my students and god began to deal with me and i know this is going to sound crazy but man i'm just going to share it and um god told me he said i want you to imagine the person that you love the most and of course my wife came to mind and god said and now i want you to imagine losing her tragically imagine that she has died and we have lost her tragically and i began to sweat i began to get sick to my stomach and i felt the pain of losing my wife and i sat in that moment of pain for several minutes and i said why god why do you want me to feel this pain and the lord spoke to me and said this is the pain that I feel every day for those who do not live for me and follow me. Now, I use this pain to preach and use this pain to pray and to, tra- to travail for lost souls. And in that moment, God birthed in me an unquenchable burden for lost souls. And the last two and a half years of our evangelistic ministry... We have seen over 3,000 people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And I promise you, it's not because I'm gifted. It's because I'm burdened. I've had a, I've had three pastors call me this week, three pastors who have called me and said, Brother Green, I, I need to talk to you. I, I need help. I don't know how to pray people through the Holy Ghost. And, and I had a prophet of God, a legitimate prophet of God in our movement, who, man, he can read your mail and do all sorts of stuff, and he called me and said, I need to confess. I, 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 I want to be able to pray people through the Holy Ghost, but I don't know how. He said, I want your gifting, and I said, "I told him, I said, I don't have a gifting. I said, I, I don't have that gift of a harvester. I, I just don't. I said, but what I do have is a burden for lost souls. And I said, if you will pray for a burden for lost souls, God, God will use you. He will use you to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. If you read in the New Testament, it says, and I think it was 16 times I counted, where it speaks of Jesus having compassion on the people, and what followed was a demonstration of the Holy Ghost, but it was compassion, his love, his burden for people. Jesus didn't hang on a cross because he was gifted. He hung on a cross because he had a burden for souls. He had a burden for lost souls. And so what I'm telling all the youth workers here is that if you allow God to birth inside of you the burden that that allowed God to hang on the cross, The Bible says he became a curse that that we wouldn't be a curse, that we could be blessed. If you will pray that God will give you a burden, I promise you your preaching will change, your teaching will change, uh, your effectiveness will change. It it wakes me up in the middle of the night because I, I weep with that burden for lost souls. And if it could change my ministry, it can change your ministry. And so the best way to create a spiritual environment is to go in there like this is their last opportunity. And if you have that undying, unquenchable burden for them, you will give it everything that you have. The activity is dependent upon the environment, and the environment is dependent upon you. Thank you for this time, and and, uh, thank you for sharing my burden. I wanted to be transparent with you because I wanted you to know that that uh, you're not the only one who has felt insecure or felt inadequate to be used by God. And I was there just a couple years ago, and and God rescued me from that insecurity. And uh, I believe God can help you, and and God can use you to have revival in your youth group. Thank you so much, and thank you uh, to the General Youth Division.
2: Wow, thank you, Brother Green. Sincerely appreciate you taking the time to be with us and pouring into those that are here listening live and then those that are going to be... Coming back and listening to this uh, conversation, I want to take just a minute and ask you, first of all, I want to thank you for one of the things that you said early in the conversation that really I think was the foundation and drove a lot of this, that activity depends on environment and creating a spiritual environment, how important that is. so let me ask you this and and maybe you can help us with some practical practical tools here for the average teenager and the student pastor that's out there that's saying I want to create an an environment that is spiritual I want to create spiritual teenagers what are some techniques that maybe you would recommend for engaging young people into prayer you know some things that have been done prayer chains, focus prayer meetings is there anything that in your travels you've seen they're they're being effective in their youth ministry by doing this particular type of, of prayer
1: right 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 and I, I'm glad you said the word practical because because a lot of this is so much more practical than, than we give it credit for you know sometimes we think it's more magical you know there's some sort of magical formula that, that the demonstration of God is going to happen but there's no secret formulas the Bible says these signs will follow them that believe as I said before but but as for inspiring or encouraging um, youth to pray, um, you get what you preach and um, you get what you teach. You get what you do. And, um, you know, when I when I had that experience in Australia and I saw that one college student filled with the Holy Ghost and I went back to the hotel and I prayed, and God dealt with me in conviction and, and I knew it. It wasn't happening because I wasn't preaching it. And so the next service, we went to another service, another revival, another church. The very next service, I walked up to the pulpit with Acts 2.38 for the first time in my evangelistic ministry. Preached Acts 2.38, and nine people received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, as I said before, it starts with the leader. It starts with the pastor. If you will preach on praying, if you will teach on praying, this generation is the wide generation uh my fathers generation you know they were the submitted generation that that uh if they if it was said if it was spoken you had to submit and you know, no questions asked but we're the why generation why and so if we can give them the tools the understanding and the knowledge of the power of prayer um I believe that those who, those who want to see the effects of prayer will uh, take it to heart. But if we will teach it and give them the understanding, give them the knowledge, give them the way, uh, and then demonstrate it, we've got to be the demonstrators. Um, we've got to show them a, a prayer life and what a prayer life looks like and what a prayer life acts like. And, and uh, if we can teach them, give them the knowledge and the tools, I believe they'll catch on. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand.
2: Excellent. Fantastic. I I know that with them being such a wide generation and, uh, you know, even some of the postmodern influence we deal with today's culture, I think a lot of people, you know, we deal with the, the loss of absolutes. We deal with, you know, nothing completely right, nothing completely wrong, but we understand that in a spiritual setting, that never goes away. That is reality. There is right. There mm. is wrong. Right. Um, mm. What do you see in traveling? I, I think one thing that a lot of youth pastors they struggle with is how do I balance between social events and spiritual events? How do I have a fun youth group and a spiritual youth oh. group? And I, I understand that you know maybe you're not personally serving as a youth pastor, but you're yeah. traveling so much, seeing yeah. these. Things maybe you could shed a little light on this. How how yeah. can they in a world that you know you we can't remove ourselves from the, the, the culture that we're in. Uh, we are right. you know the old adage we're in the world we're not of the world. So right. but so how do I balance it? I think I'm asking for a lot of youth yeah. pastors out there. We want to be spiritual, yeah. but how do I balance?
1: And I mean that's that's a very good question. And um, balance is probably you know one of the foundational words of the Bible. Um, Jesus teaches about balance, and I have been uh, to some churches where they don't have any youth services. All they have are youth activities, and uh, you know, sleepovers and slumber parties and all that stuff. And and um, you know, you see the fruits of it. And then I've been to other to the other side of it, where um, you know they have it every single week, and it obviously it, it starts. Uh, it depends on the culture. Uh, it does depend on the culture. Depends on uh, where you're at. Every culture is different. Um, you can't uh, take advantage of of people's time these days uh, because people's time is so valuable with all of the distractions. And uh, but you know, I think that as a youth pastor, the youth pastor has to has to seek the face of God and and, and discern what is the appropriate amount of of prayer of activity and. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with trial and error. You know, they say in the secular world, practice makes perfect. Now, we don't allow that adage into the church. You know, if someone tries the gift of the Spirit and they fail the first time, well, they must be backslidden or living in sin or something. But, you know, I believe we can have that adage in church, you know, like preaching. Practice makes perfect. The more you preach, the more you get better at it. The more I practice praying people through the Holy Ghost, the more I see it. And so I think that, um, if if, if uh, a youth pastor, there's nothing, like I said, there's nothing wrong with trial and error and practice makes perfect, then uh, you test them out, test the waters, and you, you say, okay, let's see what this youth group can do. What are they capable of doing? I, I, I personally have seen a lack of uh, pushing the limits and pushing the boundaries, and uh, I think that it's time that we push those limits and push those boundaries. If a football coach can push... Their physical limits, and and uh, you know, a choir director can push their vocal limits. Why can't a youth pastor push their spiritual limits and say, "Hey, this Tuesday night we're going to have a prayer meeting. You know, I want you to come and push those spiritual limits and see how they respond." Um, but at the same time, they're kids. They're kids. They're students. They have to have a life. They uh, they have to have fun, and uh, it can't be all. Uh, just about prayer and just about church, uh, but I think trial and error, you know, let's see how they respond these next six weeks of having, uh, a prayer meeting every other week or, uh, having a youth service a couple times a month. There's one youth group, in fact, in St. Louis or outside of St. Louis that they had such a great plan, uh, when I was there. They, they had a four week plan, you know, and they would have one, uh, like the first Friday of the week, they would have a, a, a youth service. And the second Friday of the week, they would have a fun activity. The third Friday of the week, they would have a prayer meeting. And the fourth Friday of the week, they would have another fun activity. So it was um, it was kind of back and forth, uh, you know, kind of alternated each week. And I thought that was a great plan. And this youth group is a very uh, successful youth group, a revival youth group that has a, a high majority of a positive influence spiritually. Um, so that's that's, and I don't have a whole lot of experience with that, but that's that's my two cents.
2: Yeah, excellent. And and I think one of the things I was thinking there at the end, while you were mentioning that, is this is another great place for the youth workers that are listening in. This is a great place for you to employ accountability amongst your students, uh, not just mm. accountability from them to you. The average teenager uh, isn't going to be maybe even comfortable with with tagging in on a weekly basis and you probably don't have time as a leader depending on the size of your of your group to be tagging in with every individual student guiding and guarding their prayer life but if you uh, uh, you know, build some accountability teams into that you know young people that are helping be accountable for one another helping uh, you know the buddy system in the sense of of prayer so Brother Green let me ask you one more question and uh, okay. that's, this is always one of the you know things I enjoy about you just our personal relationship that you strive to be spiritual so Uh, typically we would maybe even be wondering from a youth pastor that was on the call about something they've been reading something they've been into and and for this particular topic you know we're talking about being spiritual and I recognize that you're a student of the Word um, but are there any other any other books maybe you're in a particular book of the Bible right now you've been reading through you want to share or you've any other literature or books that you've been in recently that you think might help those that are listening in.
1: Oh man that's a that's a good question um i I personally feel um and it's not I don't want to be you know so cliche but you cannot you cannot eat enough of the Word of God that's um the book I read the most and uh I try to start my day and end my day with the Word of God you cannot feed yourself feed your spirit enough of the Word of God I believe that. Um, The Word of God is what strengthens your spirit as much as any other spiritual discipline, Um, and I think that's why our flesh sometimes overrules our spiritual desires is because we don't give ourselves enough of the Word of God. Um, I bought that. Uh, because of the times they mentioned the devotional book, uh, the Book of Mysteries by uh, Jonathan Kahn, and that book is, it's a devotional book, you know, to do every morning, every day, and that book has really helped me out a lot. Um, reading through the Bible in a year, um, uh, I'm trying to think, there's, man, I'm about to have a baby in about six weeks, and so I'm constantly... Reading all these baby books because I have no idea what's about to happen, and uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. Reading baby books, I don't want to recommend those, but I will tell you the the Prisoner in the Third Cell is one I just read. That was great. It's about John the Baptist and his life. Um, I've been reading um, uh, a, a book by Chuck Missler called Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. He's a he's a Jewish scholar and uh, just more of a study type book. Um, uh, I could I could recommend all the baby books I've been reading but uh I probably won't do that. Uh, but another study book that I read is Unger's Bible dictionary. I I love reading that book. Um uh but man, you cannot read the Bible enough. You just can't. And you know, I've heard Jeff Arnold say one time when uh when uh, someone asked him, you know, how do you how do you get all these sermons? You know, he said, "Well, I just preach the Bible because hardly anybody knows what's in there and you can't consume yourself enough uh with the word of God."
3: Thank you so much, Brother Green, for your for your help and uh, incredible information tonight. Thank you so much for those resources and that variety. And uh, I'm sure someone on the call is probably about to enter parenthood, so thank you also for those recommendations as well. What a wonderful call we've had tonight. I uh, just want to let everybody know that the next call will be Tuesday, April 4th and Jonathan Quinones will be with us and he will be speaking on pressing for conversation with students on how to break through relational barriers. We have some exciting news for you while we have been on this call our North American Youth Congress level 200 registrations are now sold out. We are selling level 300 through 600. We are at 31,180 registrations for North American Youth Congress. What exciting times. We're going to conclude this call in prayer. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that you allow us to be involved in your kingdom. And tonight we recognize that a move of your spirit cannot happen unless we are intentional to allow you to move in our lives and youth ministries that you allow us to be a part of. We pray, Lord, that you would put a burden in our hearts for the lost and those who need to be renewed and brought back to life spiritually. Please empower the youth workers listening to this information today or later on podcast and release them to speak your gospel in truth and love. Pray that you would give us boldness to challenge youth to prayer, fasting, and soul winning. And let it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next month's call, may God richly bless you all.
2: You have been listening to The Community Call. For other great youth resources, be sure to check out thecommunity.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great night.